Why do people die in the woods? Bears, apparently. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Jackknife wounds and shame. Yep. Yeah. Not shame, bears. Welcome to the Review to Death podcast. I'm Marcus. And I'm Luke. And welcome to our horror movie recap and review podcast, where we, you guessed it, recap and review horror movies and talk about all things horror, past, present, and future. In 2024, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. I don't have my ad. My <laughs> you app don't have a bow, 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 bow. Yeah, I was going to do it, and I totally forgot. Just imagine I'm doing it. We're starting off our Animal Attack series, and we're starting off our Animal Attack series this year with how we ended it last year, and we've got Nick and Paul back. Welcome back, Nick and Paul. How's it going? What's up, guys? Good to be here. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the show. And uh, hey, for those that might not know your voices, you want to introduce yourselves real quick? So I'm Paul. I I grew up next door to Marcus and Nicholas, so known them for a good three decades plus. Yeah. Oh. This other asshole's my brother. <laughs> yep, I'm Nick. I've been uh, on the pod here and there, just as Paul has, and we're glad to be back and talking some edge. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> welcome, the hedges. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back, you guys. Uh, thanks for having Thanks us. for coming back on the on the show. We always seem to have you guys on for these uh, animal attack movies or like one of those like classic 80s like horror uh, you know, either sci-fi, usually sci-fi movies. Absolutely. Yeah. It, they're fun to watch and uh, uh, have a good conversation about. Yeah. And this was one uh, similar to like the ghost in the darkness that we remember seeing like right when it came out and we've kind of, it's kind of always been in our lexicon, I would say like sometimes yeah. we refer to it, you know, for not like all the time or something, but no. like, I, I, I think we do all remember seeing this in the theater, which is kind of cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. We can't we, seem we to agree. Yeah, exactly. We can't seem to agree how, like, I think that we all saw it together, like both of our families. Um, but uh, I think Nick thinks it was just yeah. like the three of us. I feel like it was just the three of us. We went to one of the theaters by us. It was in the summer. I think it was the lake. Could have been the mm-hmm. lake theater in Oak Park. And I remember going, because we were old enough, one of you guys had a license, so we probably drove there and then, we came back and I do recall distinctly just sitting on Paul's porch and it was like at the end of, it was definitely nice out of summer and we sat on the, on the porch and we just like recapped the whole movie and the parts we liked, the parts we kind of thought were iffy, but I, that's what I remember. And I don't, I don't know the sequence of this, but it was kind of, I think around the time, like the three of us actually flew up to Anchorage for like two days because your mom was a flight attendant, obviously, and we can get yeah. these companion passes. So I don't actually know the sequence. Like, it's obviously supposed to be set in like Alaska or something, but we actually had gone to Alaska. I don't know before or after this. It was probably within a within year. That so I range. Don't, I don't. Yeah, you know, that sort of factored into maybe our reverence for this movie too, for sure. When they say the three of them, uh, they mean Marcus, Nick, and Paul. I, I was not part of this camaraderie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When did this movie come out? I knew you though at the time, didn't I? Oh, yeah. yeah, dude. For this sure. is nineteen ninety-seven. This actually came out a year. This came out a year after um, the Ghost in the Darkness, which is uh, was that the last one we did together that we 
No, yeah. we did. Um, we did. We did Predator, Predator Two. Predator, Predator yeah. Two. That's right. And then that was the one before that. Um, but yeah. So that was. Uh, this is the, the year after the Ghost in the Darkness. So yeah. No, we we all definitely knew each other. I, I think by the time I was living like in Tennessee or some shit. So like it was. It was. I was a ways away. Luke, when did you first see The Edge? Um, I saw. I didn't. I don't think I saw it in theaters. Um, I, in fact, this movie did not do well in theaters. Not a lot of people went to see it in theaters. It was the budget for it was thirty million. It ended up making forty three point three million. So, like, I mean, you not can't really even. Yeah, you can't really even consider it like a, a modest success. It, it it pretty much did not do well, and I. Reading on some uh, some trivia about it, I know like Alec Baldwin, who was always you know he's he's one of the stars in this movie. Uh, he you know he's always an outspoken type dude, and he blamed you know of course there's a yeah, he needed to blame somebody, so he blamed the director uh, Lee Tamahori uh, for emphasizing the action over the um, the uh, the screenwriter's uh, script. Uh, who's you know David Mamet, um, who's you know he's like a world famous screenwriter uh, for its failure. Uh, so no, I did not see it in theaters. I, I ended up it was a blockbuster uh, night for me. Um, nice. Probably probably watch it with my dad. <laughs> and this one is a uh, this one is more than it seems. We'll get we'll get into all of that stuff. But um, Luke, we've talked about. Uh, you know your experiences in the wild, and some some uh, some uh, creepy things that have happened to you. Paul is another one who spends a lot of time in the wilderness. Paul, have you had any scary wilderness encounters? Yeah, I've, I've actually had several run-ins with bears, um, not grizzly bears. Um, I've seen some grizzly bears from a distance out west, um, like a Yellowstone National Park, but I've had a, quite a, a few pretty close run-ins with black bears. Um, I could tell a story, but in New Hampshire, when I was working um, in college, I'd, I worked all summer, two summers in a row uh, out in the woods for um, a biology professor out there. And I had run-ins, pretty close run-ins with black bears two summers in a row. So uh, yeah, I know a little something about, about bears in the wild, but um, I didn't have to you know, deal with Alec Baldwin or anything trying to kill me or anything like that <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. but uh yeah. uh yeah it was just just the bears but i had a couple scary moments for sure one of which we actually the bear got into our house and that's a story maybe for another nice. day <laughs> jesus christ Freaky. yeah <laughs> no i i the only time i've i've seen wild bears uh you know in the wild i guess but it was always in tennessee when i when i go down to like the smoky mountains which is one of my favorite places to go check out um Although I, I did go camping, uh, it was right at the end of the season. Uh, it was like September, uh, near the end of September, actually. I think it was maybe early October of this this year or of last year, I guess, 2023. And it was it's uh, I live in Wisconsin and there's a place close to Wisconsin Dells called uh, Buckhorn Barren State Natural Area. And uh, I went up there to, to camp and I, I picked a, uh, a campsite. Uh, really far away from everybody else, which is kind of like my thing. Like, I just, I don't want to, leave me alone. I want to be by myself. Uh, and so I, I I went out there and it was like a mile hike to the campsite from the parking lot, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is when you're carrying like a ton of fucking gear. Yeah. Uh, so like, fuck. So way, I was like really tired. So I'm hiking down there and there's a sign right before I get to my campsite 
um, that says, you know, like uh, increased bear area in your in your area or increased bear activity in your area. And I'm like, well, that's not great. And then I, I get to my campsite. I'm literally the only person there because these are like the, the most remote um, campsites in this uh, in this area. And there's like literally nobody else around me. Um, so anyway, I did the right thing. I did, you know, I put, I had a, a little cooler with food and I, I hung it up in the tree, but I just remember, I didn't even tell you this Marcus, but I was out there and I, I, I don't know, man, maybe it's my, just my mind playing tricks on me, but like, dude, I definitely heard some fucking heavy footsteps out there. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to like be quiet. It's cool. I have no food in the tent. I'm not, yeah, I never eat in the tent, obviously just to, you know, make sure that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, that was definitely a, a worry on my mind. I, I I can't imagine like running into one in the wild uh, and you know like face to face. I would be fucking terrifying. Yeah, I mean they're so fast. That's the thing that I I had one bluff charge me actually. That was like the my first summer out there. Um, it was and the thing that I remember is just how incredibly fast it was. And I I think it was even a, a young bear. So I was like. I was doing bird research and we were, it was early in May. And so like the, the leaves really hadn't come out on the trees yet. Cause this is up in New Hampshire in the white mountain national forest. Okay. And so uh, I was the only one out there with one of the graduate students and we were like setting up the plot for the year. They, they were studying uh, warblers that, you know, nest in the, in the woods. And we, and so we had to like flag this grid pattern, like ABCD and then like one, two, three, four, um, you know, like 50 meter intervals. And so I was putting like flagging tape along these sort of grid patterns in the woods to reflag it. And I remember kind of like walking across like up slope and then I and looking down slope. And the first thing I heard, like, like sort of these dried leaves just sort of, sort of like crunching. And then I just turned down slope and there's this black bear that's just like sprinting up the slope at me. <laughs> and I was and like, I was by myself, I was by myself because oh, the other graduate student was a few you. miles away. I was like, I was just like, I just remember, you know, feeling an, an adrenaline rush and I didn't really choose to do anything, but I, I actually felt myself like stepping down towards the bear. I, don't, I just was sort of reacting and he just kept coming like, and the thing that was crazy, just as fast as any dog, just like sprinting up and then he, and he just kept coming and then all of a sudden he just stopped like uh, maybe 30 feet away and just like stared and, you know, looked at me for like, a split second, a couple of seconds, I could just like feel my heart like coming through my chest. And then he turned around and sprinted back the direction he came. And yeah. apparently uh, black bears will do these like bluff charges. To, and I guess they see if, you know, something or somebody runs. So I guess apparently like you're not going to outrun a bear. And so I guess right. they recommend for like a black bear, just like literally just standing your ground and like making yourself look kind of big. Um, that probably won't work well for a grizzly. And if the bear really is, intent on you know <laughs> getting you he's gonna get you so but apparently black bears particularly like young ones do do these like bluff charges none of which happened in the edge those charges <laughs> were like very earnest for real charges yeah. but uh well, we, we'll get to fucking so, kill you and yeah. you know black bears are way smaller than grizzly bears and kodiak bears which are subspecies of grizzlies in alaska are like literally the biggest brown bears in the world so that's like a totally different Right. Also, you you won't outrun the bear unless you're a geriatric Anthony Hopkins, and then you will. Yeah. Outrun the bear. Plot How he did that, I have no fucking clue. Because he's Anthony Goddamn. Oh, he's actually Sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir we should Anthony probably Hopkins. put that in front. He's a he's a goddamn knight. Rich people nice. are just different. 
right, yeah, right. It's really different. And, you know, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. I remember liking it a lot when it first came out. Do you guys know that we're all a little bit older than Alec Baldwin was when he made this movie? That's so nuts. No shit. Because he looks, I mean, when I remember yeah. watching it back then, I mean, you know, he he's, looks young in it, obviously. But, you know, when you're young, you think he's like 50 or 60 in it. No, he's, right. 30, he's 39. Old. He does have a good, like, late 90s yeah, haircut, though. he definitely does. He does. So, Luke, what's The Edge about? All right, well, so The Edge uh, is about an intellectual billionaire and two other men who struggle to band together and survive after being stranded in the Alaskan wilderness with a bloodthirsty Kodiak bear hunting them down. And it stars Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Uh, th- those are the two main characters. Uh, the third guy that they're out there where his his name is Steven. I don't know what the yes. actor's name is, but you've seen him. Oh, you've seen him. It's yeah. Harold. Uh, I'm going to say his last name wrong, but it's Perrineau. Perrineau. Uh, he was Michael and Lost, your favorite show, dude. <laughs> Fucking Lost. He was the guy running around the jungle yelling, yeah. Walt! Yeah, Walt! Walt! For, like, for like two seasons. <laughs> and he's really, really clumsy with jackknives. Oh, boy. Yes. Good Super Lord. Crazy. Also, Elle McPherson's in this movie, the model Elle McPherson. I, I don't know. Did She didn't act very much at all, right? Like, I mean... You mean, no, I mean, so. movie I mean in this movie, she definitely didn't act very much, but in general, <laughs> like, I don't know. Was this her, her like mid career? I want to try acting because I'm a model. I think like she was trying to, she's trying to pivot and yeah. become something more than just a model. Yeah. Well, it didn't work. She's been in a few movies. Not, not much. She, uh, the probably the biggest movie she was in was this one. And then she was in Batman and Robin, which was that awful, the worst Batman movie ever made. She plays a model in this movie, so I mean, she's not like a long stretch. You know what I mean? Should be in her wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> all those shots that they were taking in the beginning—that was probably all her, like reaching for cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah, especially that part. Yeah. Oh, dude, her whole her whole photo shoot when because the the purpose of of going out there is for for her photo shoot. Her her, her whole photo shoot is is um cultural appropriation, but um. Yeah, I mean, she's, you know. <laughs> and she's the model, and uh, Bob, played by Alec Baldwin, is the guy that takes the pictures. He's the photographer. And and, he, and his character is, I mean, is kind of a little, like a little bit slimy. Like, you know, he just kind of has a little bit, which I kind of feel like Alec Baldwin doesn't have to stretch too far to get that anyways, because <laughs> I feel like he's a little bit like that. But yeah, oh, yeah. he's like, he's like the photographer, right? Oh yeah, he's dude. He's a lot slimy. He's 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 like a uh, you know they get out there. This is supposed to be Alaska, and I think you mentioned this already, Paul. But uh, this is filmed uh, mostly in Canada, uh, primarily in like Alberta around the Banff yeah. uh, National Park area, and then some shots in British British Columbia. So they're supposed to be like out, like you know, completely isolated. It's a you know. Uh, Anthony Hopkins' character, Charles, he's like a, a multi-billionaire or whatever. We never learn how he has made his fortune. And he's Elvin Pearson's husband. Right. And he's he's her husband. And she's, he's much she's older much, than she is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she, she's much younger. Right. Exactly. Which fucking tracks, man. I mean, that's that's how billionaires do. And, and, uh, and yeah, so they're out there. And he's, he's accompanying her because, uh, I don't know, whatever. He's being a, being a nice guy. And, um, you know, Bob... Uh, Alec Baldwin's character, you know, he's he's out there to 
do like a photo shoot with her in like the wilderness. And yeah, he's like the complete like slimy like city slicker. Like, you know, he's complaining about, you know, not having the creature comforts and uh, this not working and the shoe shines not being done on the shoes because they don't look right in the photos. And and not being able to snort cocaine off of right hips. <laughs> Yeah, he's you can tell he's used to a certain lifestyle that, uh, you know, being out in the wilderness is, you know, just untenable. Elle McPherson's character's name is Mickey. And, and I mean, you know, maybe I didn't know this when I was younger, but watching the movie, you know, anybody, I think, you know, when you're a little bit older watching the movie, you know that Bob and Mickey are, are on, doing some stuff on the side. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, I mean, they're flirting <laughs> and obviously the camera's panning from Charles' perspective. So he's like, right. very aware of it. Right. So they kind of set that up from the very first, like five minutes of the film. Yeah. It gives you a good inside look and what, could be you know it's gonna break out later and what right. obviously does yep and we get to uh our first big jump scare uh really the only jump scare of the movie i would say yeah. is uh ellen mcpherson you know mickey she tells uh charles to go make her a sandwich and it's like fucking like 10 o'clock at night or whatever <laughs> they're at this like lodge on a lake right up, up right run by lq jones who's been in everything yeah yep you might know his name, but you know his face. He actually just died a couple of years ago. He was ninety-four. Oh shit! He was still alive for that long. Holy crap! This is this is this is Styles, right? Does he really have a scar, or is was that makeup? He, that no, he does. He has. Oh, scar, he's got okay. facial scars. Yeah. Oh okay. shit! Or had facial scars. Yeah. Oh wow! This is Styles. Like Justice wasn't his name. His real name? Uh, well, he, LQ Jones is his name. Oh, his okay. real name. I don't know what it stands for, but. Yeah, they're in this. They're in this lodge, you know, way, way up north in uh, in Alaska, and uh, she, uh, Mickey, tells him to tells Charles to go get her a sandwich. He goes down there, and it's like a. This is like totally like a horror scene, like straight up. Like he fucking goes down there. It's the it's dark. scariest ham I've ever seen, dude. Right, because they were just told by Styles, uh, don't leave food out, and because uh, there's bears around or whatever, and. <laughs> He goes down there, and not only is there food out, but the fucking door is like ajar, and you're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and he fucking goes great. down there, closes the door, and then makes the sandwich. And is about to go upstairs and gets attacked by a bear, or does he? No, it's a bear rug worn right. by uh, Bob. Right. And we didn't mention that the character of Charles um, is very book smart. He knows lots of things. He reads a lot. He knows stuff. Paul, actually, you were telling me this when you got here. This movie originally had a different title. Yeah. It's called Bookworm was the original title for the film. Terrible. Uh, from, Matt, from Mammoth School. So bad. Yeah, so, so, yeah, he's, that's so the he's, character. Like, he's real like intellectual, right? He has kind of like an encyclopedic knowledge of things, but you kind of get the sense that a lot of people don't think he's very street smart, for example. Right. He hasn't had a chance to use it. And he doesn't have... And he doesn't really have friends, right? Yeah. He's very like isolated. Yeah. I mean, because it's it's um it's implied that you know his wife has gone off doing sh- off doing shoots shots, all yeah. the time, and he yeah. like this is like the first one he's gone on, or at least the first one in a long time that he's actually gone on. Yeah, and it also right. sets up the theme like for like can incredibly wealthy people really have like true friends because everybody you know kind of wants access to their wealth and their resources, and so. He may have just always been kind of an introvert and kind of a loner, but it also, you know, he's kind of, it sets up sort of the question that like, <coughs> in a way, does like all of that wealth really 
insulate you from having like real human relationships and a meaningful life. That's part, like actually one of the questions I would say that's kind of at the base of the film, the more you get into it. It's not like played right. up hugely, but it's present. Yeah. Right. It's, and, and, yeah. and Charles, you know, he's like this multi, you know, billionaire. And again, we're not told how he got that way. And normally like this type of character uh, is set up to be like a giant douchebag. Like this is the guy you would normally hate in any other movie, any horror movie, any disaster movie, but he's actually like, well, by far the most uh, sympathetic figure of the movie. There's, I mean, maybe it's just Anthony Hopkins being Anthony Hopkins. He's mm-hmm. no, he's really likable. Like he, he's like thoughtful. He, he, um, he's, he's not like super arrogant, even though like he's fairly quiet, you right. know? So he, he's, it's about as sympathetic a portrait of a billionaire as right. you could kind of have. But then you get that like that vibe from Alec Baldwin early on about the way that Charles is like he gets the sense of the arrogance or like the know it all from him because he's just this billionaire. He knows a lot. So you kind of get that sense of like, oh, here's fucking Charles again. Like, right. Saying, you know, like what's on the other side of the paddle, you know, like I'll give you five bucks and he obviously knows what it is. It's like the rabbit smoking a pipe. And you just you could see that, you know. Alec Baldwin's like, oh, this fucking guy. He's and irritated by him. Yeah. He's very irritated, and then it, it, it continues throughout the movie. Yeah, he's also obviously jealous, though. Yeah. Here, right. And here's what's kind of cool about this movie and why it works in parts is because um, uh, Charles is kind of annoying. Like, he's like, think about like being around him all the time and him fucking like telling you trivia about everything all the time. I like right. I've known people like that. Like that would drive me fucking insane. I would fucking hate that shit. Uh, but yeah, go, moving forward ends up being pretty useful. And like, like he's got like a little like survivalist uh, guide, like little book that he reads. Like he reads everything. Like yeah, because it's his birthday. That's what this whole prank right. was. It was to throw a little right. surprise birthday. So it's like his secretary gives him that survival book. Yeah. I, also, I should say though, like just to point out that when they prank him and. Alec Baldwin is wearing like the bear rug to scare him. That's actually a pretty good setup because like two of the main motifs are like, you know, like man versus nature, like man versus the bear, but also like man versus man. Right. Right. And those are like the two main conflicts in the movie. So in the very first five minutes, you actually have, you know, both of those sort of being um, sort of emphasized or illustrated by Alec Baldwin, like kind of the main man versus man foil for Charles. Um, Also, sort of becoming a bear. So, right. you know, right. looking back in that, um, in hindsight, it's like, oh, okay, they're actually sort of telegraphing that from the beginning. Yeah. I would say that this movie is more about the conflict between Charles and Bob yeah, 100%. than it is about Definitely. the two of them versus the bear. Definitely. Although it's, it's nice how both narratives are actually woven together um, in the script. Yes. So, Agreed. And, and, yeah, it, so it's it's actually fairly well done, I would say. I mean, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, for a lot of adventure movies, that become fairly. I don't know. They can just be kind of campy, and this one isn't really treated yeah. in, in terms of camp. No, know, I I would, really I would say not at all. It, it takes it safe. It te- it takes itself dead ass seriously, and I, yeah, I, and it does a it does a good job doing it. Yeah. So all these uh, so after the the, the party. Uh, Bob is frustrated that the other model that was going to be there is not there yet. He's sick. And he's, he's sick. Sad. Yeah, he's sick. He's like, oh, yeah, he's got to get better to die, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I know what they mean by it, but it's like, I don't know. 
So, but he sees a picture on the wall of this cabin. This like indigenous person. Right. And he's like, that's the guy I want. We don't need some stupid model. Let's go get this guy. We can appropriate this. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go fly 80 miles. It also just shows how like impatient he is. (laughs) Right. And uh, Charles, how about you come with us? Uh, Let's go on a little adventure. You say you want adventures. And uh, so off they go in their plane. And kind of the only reason Charles goes though is because he kind of wants to get away from the proprietor who tried to get money off. Who was like yeah. basically like intimating, "Hey, I could develop this thing if you yeah. loan me like thirty or forty million dollars." Check out these blueprints. But I actually thought that was a nice little thing because it's kind of like it's obviously a fateful decision, but it's kind right. of like part of the reason he goes is because right. he's trying to avoid being inconvenienced by his massive wealth and what that does to other people when they need <laughs> it. So it's actually it actually is kind of subtly well done. Yeah. It is very well done because I, I liked Styles a lot it, up until that point. And then I'm like, right. fuck you, you fucking yeah. piece <laughs> yeah. of shit. Because, exactly. yeah, Styles all of a sudden, as soon as he gets Charles alone, he's like, hey, I can develop this untamed land. All I need is $30 million and we can just turn this into a fucking tourist trap. And I'm like, oh, God fucking damn it. And that's so, $30 million they, dollars in 1997. Yeah, so. Right. And, and Charles, for his part, is like, oh, Oh, I yeah, see what right it says. Away, and he just walks yeah, away, completely antagonizing Styles. So yeah, when the opportunity comes to get the fuck out of that cabin, he's like, um, yeah, I'm going to go do that. Because Styles is like shooting daggers at him with his eyes. Right. Yeah. Right. But it does it does emphasize though that like and I'm not saying like, oh, we should feel bad for like the super wealthy who have only accumulated their wealth by exploiting right. all of us, but it is it is a, a a legit thing that like if you're so wealthy you you probably have to wonder like the people around you do they really like like you for who you are or they just want access to your wealth and your resources right. so right and, it, and it's a good motivator for Charles yeah. uh, because he seems like a dude that's pretty uninterested to be there from the get go and, and that makes him you know go on this trip which is you know uh, and- becomes a really fateful decision. And I think, and who knows, but I think Mark, part of the reason maybe he came along, though, was because he kind of wanted potentially more evidence for his wife's affair with the photographer. Like, yeah, it's maybe. not complete, but, like, you could think that would also be a motivation, per, yeah. potentially. Potentially. Right. So. Right. But you could tell he's uncomfortable with the fact that he's so much older than her. Because in the very beginning of the movie, when they land in the plane, the, the guy that's in the hangar is like, Oh, I wish I could get my hands on her. And he's like, get your hands on who? Yeah. And he's like, oh, the you know, the plane, you know? Who do you think I was talking about? Right. <laughs> fucking wife, so man. he's naturally suspicious, but he's, you know, you imagine he's been suspicious of these two for a while. Yeah. Because he's not an idiot, as we've I think he's, he's probably suspicious of probably everyone in his life right. when it comes to his wife. You know what I mean? There's some good dialogue on the plane because they get to the the guy's cabin, but he's not there. He's off hunting, so they try to go find him at where the Bear Lake or wherever he's going. Um, but there's good and I, there's good dialogue, and it's you know it's partly the script itself. It's just Mehmet being a good writer, despite the fact that he's an asshole. Now we don't need to get <laughs> yeah. we don't need to get. I into was that. looking up some of his recent <laughs> political opinions of the last not twenty great. years. Uh, no, not, not great. great. We'll just leave that aside. Right. Um, but it is a good script and it's, um, it's, it's like perfect that Anthony Hopkins and Ap- Alec Baldwin are in this movies because they both play their parts exactly how they should be. Right. And there's some really good dialogue before the accident happens, you know, like you get, you know, bird strike on the plane, which they foreshadowed earlier. There's a lot of foreshadowing 
in this movie. Um, but, you know, they were talking about the gifts. You know, Al, uh, Bob's got a watch that he just got. And, from Mickey. From Mickey. And Mickey gave a pocket watch to her husband that's got an engraving on it. And they were talking about the book. And and Bob was like, hey, I, I admire you for taking that joke like, yeah. on the well. And, and then, but, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what else was said. But then right before the bird strike, uh, Charles says to Bob, like, straight up, what does he say, Nick? Like, how, how do you plan? What does he say? How, how do you, you plan, plan on, on killing, killing me? Yeah. Like, how do you plan to kill me? Yeah. yeah. And then the bird <laughs> and then, strike. And, and then, then the snow geese fly into the engine and all hell breaks loose and the plane takes a nosedive to the lake. Crash land. Yeah. Fucking intense ass scene. Uh, yeah, there's four of these dudes, four of these guys. You'll be at Charles, Bob, and Steven, and then this random pilot, and uh, the pilot does not make it. He uh, does. Steven... Yep. Um, or I said, uh, Robert, Bob, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin, um, he fucking saves himself, which is like, yeah. you know, uh, it, totally flies, flies for his course. character. Yep. Yeah. Fucking, he's like, I'm out. Fuck this shit. Like, cause the plane like crashes into the water. It, it, it's like right. a lake. It looks so it's like too. It's sinking. It looks really good. The whole yeah. scene looks great. And then, uh, Charles, uh, he sees that Steven is still, um, uh, a buckle then so he, he goes down he uses his brand new birthday knife to fucking cut him loose he gets him out of there and he gets a satchel full of flares uh so like fucking quick thinking charles man way to go anthony hopkins and you and it's established pretty quickly that anthony hopkins like yes we we know he does not have actually experience but he's using this intelligence that he has and alec baldwin is or bob is freaking out like he uses the flares for the fire to make the fire right. to get them all warm and Anthony and uh, Charles is like, you know, we should probably save some of those to be that, to be fair. That water is pretty fucking. Yeah. Crazy. They needed to get pretty warm. <laughs> there was no way they were starting that fire with that fucking match. And then making the, minute. making the compass out of the needle. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line of the whole movie. It's like, Oh, that way South. And Alec Baldwin walks over the water and holds up a stick one direction, looks the other way and goes, it doesn't feel South Charles. <laughs> Best line ever. <laughs> Well, there was that line about Jews in Texas. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah, All you fear is Jews in Texas. (laughs) Dude, dude, Alec Boland's character, I mean, he's kind of terrible. (laughs) Like, if you, like, you know, he's got a lot of, like, anti Semitic jokes in there, and he's got some, like, anti homophobic jokes in there. Oh, Um, yeah. yeah. There's a couple, like, effeminate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also a product of it being written in the 90s, too. We've discussed this on the podcast before. Right. And, and Alec Baldwin is really, really good as this asshole yes. Bob. That's like, he plays point. it, like, perfectly. So you're like, <laughs> right. you just believe yeah. it. Like, that's and, the and dude. He's, and he's not playing it over the top either. Like, nope. there's a lot of people still like that, right? I mean, yeah, like, oh, absolutely. So we know, like, he kind of is, he cuts the figure of kind of like that slimy frat guy. Frat guy right. Kind of, well, yeah, he's, like, he's, like, passively antagonizing, too, because it's like they when they're walking up south and they're walking up the, the mountain there and and uh, they're, you know, Charles and Bob are having another discussion and like Charles is, or Bob's always like, oh, you know, Charles, why would I want to do that? Why would, why would you want to do that? He answers it. And then like the very next question, he's like, oh, why would I be worried about that, Charles? Why would I want to do that? You know, <laughs> well, it's not like outwardly being an asshole, but it's like, man, you are, you're the, a dick. Well, but the, There's the a tension that's just building between them. Right. You could, you could tell things are bad between those two characters, and also the um, shortly after, when they get the you know once they get the fire going, once they dry themselves out, 
um, <laughs> Alec Baldwin's character, Robert, you know, Bob's like, uh, hey, what did you mean when you were like, you know, how are you planning on killing me? And then, oh, no, that was, um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, fucking Alec Baldwin's like, oh, you know, Charles, baby, it's okay. I didn't mean anything by yeah. that. It's 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 all good. We're good. We're good together. We're fine. Meanwhile, he's like rubbing his hands together like that cartoon character whose name I can't think of. <laughs> it's all good. Because he's, you know, uh, Bob is seeing this as an opportunity as well because, you know, it's never outwardly said that he's with Mickey until the end of the movie, but we know he is. And what his character's thinking about is he wants to be with Mickey. And if he could get rid of Charles after he's not needed anymore, not only will he get to be with his wife, but his wife will also inherit a whole bunch of money, which he will then get as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right. you know, I think though it takes him some, a while to actually <coughs> like get that in the forefront of his head because after the crash, like he, as Nick said, he was like free, you know, he was kind of freaking out and he, you know, I mean, eventually he gets there and becomes them more manipulative, but like, I think it, I don't think he's quite like, he, like he doesn't have any sense of how he's going to get out of there. And and it's, it's clear that Charles is the one that's thinking the most clearly, for example. Right. And actually even keeping it together and trying to address their situation somewhat rationally. Yeah. So, yeah. Like with all the knowledge that he has, and then he's just like putting it to the test to see, you know, and, and kind of, I guess be like this de facto leader, you know, because he knows that these other guys are going to, you know, well, he keeps telling him like, you know, how, how do people, you know, fare in the woods, you know, what happened? Why did they die? And they die of shame. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing. Theme throughout this whole movie. And you can see it in the characters and he even expresses it too, when he loses those flares eventually. Right. Uh, once we'll get to that part, but, but they're still fairly optimistic until, I mean, they at meet, the beginning, that yeah, yeah, we can maybe get out of this until they meet Bart the Bear. Well, the bear. but don't they <laughs> walk? Don't in they walk in, walk in a circle first? Yeah. Before no, I thought they lost the flares first. Or no, 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 you're right. They do. They walk in a circle they first because circle. the compass was faulty because it was being pulled by the belt buckle. Correct. Or no, no, they don't. They meet. Don't they meet the bear before they complete oh. the circle back to their first? They do, because then he says, go go fucking whittle this spear. And he's like, you want to make me a fucking spear? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> outfit. and that's when he fucks his leg up. Yeah, so, so, so I guess that's how it happens, right? That's like, right. they do actually, they, they first the encounter this bear, yeah. and they kind of like, you know, they, like, they have a chase. chase. And, and they kind of run away from him. They, they throw a, a, a log across this, this stream, more like a waterfall, and the three of them get across except you know charles is the last one and the and the bear's like literally jumping up and down pushing on the end of the the log is trying to go across and then he ends up falling like and dangling from his satchel with the flares in it yeah um but the other two steven and uh bob end up saving him but you know they lose all the flares and they're obviously like holy shit there's this giant bear (laughs) and even to this day like when i yeah and when i watched it as a kid and then even now many years later uh when bob went second for some reason you know he goes like really really slowly so i was like oh he's just doing that but of course like you're you you know you're on a freaking log like you're gonna not gonna run across the thing but it's to me it just seems like he's like all right if i go slowly i get across charles is gonna get killed or something that's maybe like something that played in my mind early on and maybe like his way of like is one of his first attempts like all right here's a here's a try 
like, oh, we'll just say he got killed by a bear, you know? And <laughs> anyways, they but, they do escape yeah. the bear the first time, but then, as we said, they find out that they've been walking in a circle. Yeah. They come up to their original fire, right, where the plane crashed in the lake, and they start freaking out a little bit more. Yeah. Hey, hey, Luke, why why are we not talking about Steven too much? Well, because Steven kind of doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> he really doesn't. Like, it's it's really like, if you look at the poster, it's it's Alec Baldwin and uh, Anthony Hopkins holding spears. And you don't see Steven in that poster. And there's a reason for that, because he, he really doesn't matter. He doesn't really contribute much to the movie, uh, honestly. Except like, some well-placed blood. Yeah. Right, some well placed blood, and then like it kind of he kind of gives Charles, you know, some uh, opportunities to show how smart he is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And, and, and Stephen, at this point, once they get, you know, once they find out that they've gone in a giant circle and they've been hiking for a long time, uh, Stephen freaks the fuck out, and Charles is like, "Go make me a spear." Go make me a spear. It's kind of a dick way of going about it too. He's like, just make me a fucking spear, and uh, he he tries to immediately just gashes his fucking leg. Absolutely, just fucking stabs himself in the leg with it. We were oh. trying to figure out how he cut himself in the way that he did. Like, how were you making this? Dude, probably was laying think, it on his. I think he was thigh. trying to like whittle the end of it, and then yeah. the knife just slipped, and he just had it close to his thigh. Yeah. And then so yeah, so they they treat his wound, and. Uh, you know, they, they wrap it up tight or, or Charles does because Charles really like takes charge all the time. And, he, you know, he wraps it up. They, they stop the bleeding and he he, he gives Alec Bolin one fucking job. He's like, get this bloody rag and bury it. That's all you got to do. Just fucking bury this fucking bloody rag. And what does fucking Alec Bolin do? Not bury hangs, the goddamn rag. Hangs, hangs in a tree. tree. And I really think his character is just like when he's told to go hang up the like bury the rag. He's pissed off. You know, that they've circled around, you know, somebody's hurt. They got to deal with that shit now. And so I don't like, I think he just is like, you know, this fucking thing, this fucking place, this fucking piece of cloth and just like throws it. You I know? think, I think it was the other way around. I think it's just him trying to get Charles killed. I don't, I don't know, know why. why. <laughs> I don't know point. why. That's just what he I still think. needs Charles. Because that, know, would endanger him. Think, that would endanger him just as much. Yeah. I feel like I that's think he's just an absent-minded fuck. He could be, yeah. He's I just snorting <coughs> so, too much coke off. Hooker's hips. He's got that coke brain. They could have called it Hooker's hips. Hooker's hips. He's got the Hooker's hips brain. But then, of course, it starts like pouring rain. Yeah. Right? And it's at it night. And then what happens, Marcus? Well, Steven's going to get eaten by this bear. Why? <laughs> Why does a bear come? Because the blood rag's been hung in a tree. Yeah. Rag There's on blood. Stick. There's rag blood. The stick, what does man. it matter, Charles? What is it, Charles? What does it matter, Charles? Blood he says, I saw, I saw a trivia piece that uh, apparently Bob's character says Charles at least 87 times. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say he always, he says Charles a lot, which is kind of funny because there's only like three people in the film. <laughs> so it's like, why? The bear shows up and, and rips Steven to shreds. Yeah, basically. Luke, the bear is freaking terrifying huge, in this movie. Huge. It's big. And it's Fuck. a real bear. Yeah, fuck Steven up. This is this is a, a really good bear attack scene. Like this is uh I mean I, I don't know if you guys have seen Revenant with uh DiCaprio. We have not we talked about it while we, we were watching the movie, but we have not it. seen yeah. it. I've watched so, like part of it. Yeah, that's it's, about it. It's though. it's a damn good movie. Um that bear attack scene is is fucking it's real brutal as it should be. So that's kinda like the you know the the genesis of what happens later. 
but uh man this uh scene uh with steven and the bear is is brutal like you can see his like his leg is really fucked up he takes a big chunk out of it and then he's got like limbs missing like you have to like it's it's quick you know they don't really it's not a you know gratuitous movie it it, i don't think this this is actually labeled technically as a horror movie but it you know for our purposes it works um so yeah it, it gets pretty gruesome. this is about as gruesome as the movie gets like steven gets really really fucked up and he gets yeah. ripped apart and um charles and um and bob run away and bob fucking fucks off uh while immediately Ch- charles is kind of like he, he grieves and is sad I mean, I mean they they initially try to like throw some fiery sticks at him like charles right. was <laughs> clearly pained he didn't just like run away right. but like they're like there's nothing but he can do dude <laughs> like, yeah. sorry so yeah, just Alec Baldwin trying to get away. Take Charles. Well, so now it's just Charles and Bob. They're trying to get away. There's they have a they have a run in with a helicopter that they can't signal because they don't have any flares. Right. Um, it's not all Bob's fault. You know they lost. They were in the woods. Sure. They yeah. weren't really visible at the time. Right. And uh, we have another run in with the bear because Anthony Hopkins, Charles is fishing, and the bear's just um, on the side, like looking at him. This is very Jaws like. Luke, wouldn't you agree? Well, Oh yeah, big yeah. time. Yeah, it, what it, is... reminded, it reminded me of Ghost in the Darkness, just to <laughs> reference that because they I mean they play in the score, they play like some low brass kind of motifs that like sort of signal the bear. But they also do the camera perspective of somebody or something watching uh Charles hunched over yeah. the stream trying to fish. Yeah. And so it, it actually reminded me of a bit of how they presented the lions in Ghost of the Darkness to begin with. Well, at this point uh, they fucking run. Uh, they run their ass off. Uh, it's another chase scene. You know, Charles and, and Bob, you know, they make a ring of fire to keep the uh, the bear out for, for the night. And this is where, I know we've talked about this before, Marcus, where uh, you got to humanize this this animal, right? You guys just got to right. fucking do it to, 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 make, it, to make it scarier. Here. Right. And, uh, you know, Bob is the guy that's always, you know, he's like Hudson from Aliens, man. Like, he's toying with us, man. He's fucking toying with us. (laughs) What are we going to do, Charles? What are we going to do? And Charles fucking just like dead ass looks at the camera and goes, we're going to kill him. Yeah. What one man can do, another can do. Yeah. Yep. The rally cry. Yep. Tonight, I'm going to kill the motherfucker. And they make a lot of spears, like a lot of spears. Yeah, a shit ton of spears. Like, that would take a long time. That's like many, like several, like 30, 40 spears. And they don't stab themselves in the thigh, which is, you know. (laughs) Better than Steven. Looking at you, Steven. Yeah. 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 Why do people die in the woods? Bears, apparently. (laughs) Jackknife wounds and shame. Yeah. Not shame, bears. Bears, yeah. <laughs> and self-inflicted <laughs> knife wounds. Big ass animals. <laughs> then uh, what's their plan? I mean, like, how are they going to kill this bear? Like, They're going to use its own weight to spear itself. Yeah. Because ah. off of a picture that they see. The deadfall well, trap principle. Yeah, because yeah. Charles saw, uh, like, fucking, like, so briefly, right? Like, he just, re- re- he just re- you know, we're led to believe he just retains everything. And uh, he saw in the survival book to how to make a deadfall. So they want to make a deadfall to lure him uh, into this deadfall, which is like a pit, basically made of spikes, right? That's where some of those spears are going to go. Or at least that's what I thought. That's what they were going to do. No, they were not. They were going to use the principle of a deadfall, but outside of a pit. Right. Because yeah, like, so- they, they were going to, well, they originally they were going to try to hit him with a rock covered with spears. 
which right. they had time to make and hang up like fucking Ewoks and Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I mean, the <laughs> principle was you, you get, because he saw this, in, as Luke said, in an image, what was actually a hunting technique that w- was used in North America by, you know, indigenous people that you basically make a really sharp spear and you sort of entice a bear to get mad enough at you that it sort of rears up on its hind legs and comes down to, you know, try to kill you. But it, you, you know, it falls on your, your spear and it, the weight of the bear ends up impaling himself. And that's sort of the, the principle, right? Which is what I thought they were going to do. But it turns out that their whole plan was to, to, lure the bear in which they do they you know they they get a bloody rag again just like how they did it with steven on invertedly and uh you know he he comes into their camp so he's got you know they got they both have spears at the ready and they're backing up backing up backing up to get him to a certain spot and that's when they like trigger this trap and it's a pendulum it's like a, a yeah. thing just like made out the of spears trap. right the ewok, the, trap. the ewok trap that's it's right a big rock with a bunch of sharpened spears on it Right, but they fucking they they did it too early and they fucking miss him. Now on the backswing, it does hit him, but it doesn't seem to do much about it. And then it's, it's off to the races. He's pissed. And they like run and jump down this slope of kind of talus like rocks down into like this stream. And we're like, oh shit! I hope they have some like spears down there. Yeah, which they, do. they did. <laughs> yeah, they do. So at least they were thinking a little bit ahead. And um, then we see actually a pretty. I mean, the thing that's cool about this film, one of the things to me is that, like, I really appreciated that it was, like, a real trained bear. Yeah, it wasn't just, like, CGI. So, like, filming that scene is, like, that, I mean, that's amazing to be able to film it. And I know it was his trainers, you know, like, his trainers that were dressed up as Charles and Bob, like, play fighting this bear. And it's Bart the Bear. He's been in... He was in everything. But still, it's a giant Kodiak bear. It's it's a freaking giant-ass bear. It's terrifying. Right. Right. Bart was huge. He died shortly after this movie. This was his last one, I think he did. Second to last, but yeah, it, it, was, last, it, was, yeah. it was right there. Uh, yeah, th- this scene is amazing. It, 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 this is like, it, it has to be the, the centerpiece of the movie, if I'm being honest. Like, this is. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it, it's it, the way it's shot. Uh, you know, again, Lee, Lee Tamahori, the, the director of this movie, he, he, he was known for action movies. So, fucking Alec Bolden is probably 100% correct. That he fucking he probably like emphasized the action over the script, but like you know this is a dude that did like well he did the worst James Bond movie called Die Another Day, and then Along Came a Spider, Mulholland Falls, and he he did a lot of like pretty good shit like in like the late nineties, early two thousands, and man the way this shit is shot is fantastic you know with the, with the real bear with the real bear actor, uh man it just looks good it looks real it looks intense and it's uh the way it ends is, is shocking so they, they run down the slope they get their backup spears and like this bear which again as luke said like it's a real bear and it's looking pretty enraged and like swiping at them with its giant paws and um it manages to to knock charles back but not super like injure him but like just totally knock him back but then it swipes at bob and actually like catches him in the midsection pretty bad yeah and um he's gonna rub that one off later though he'll be fine <laughs> yeah um but you know we were i was thinking like you know what you know first time i saw this oh shit like bob's probably gone but what does charles do he he makes the picture real he has the bear rear up he sticks that spear into the ground and bye bye bear yeah yeah th- this right was hard 
this was shocking to me. Like I, I remember this movie, or at least I thought I did pretty well up until this scene. And um, man, like they fucking, yeah. Charles just like jams that spear into like a crevice in the ground between like a couple of rocks. So it's like secured and uh, you know, it, it, it's good to go. So when the, the, the bear uh, bears down on him, uh, he gets stabbed. He gets impaled on the spear and dies like immediately. He and you know it like covers up Charles, but uh, yeah, bear dead for the rest of the movie. And there's still thirty minutes left, which they're going to use about two minutes of for Bob and Charles to, within hours, not only field dress this bear, get all the meat out, cook it, but also make a uh, custom wardrobe <laughs> for themselves. The Dude, <laughs> did they make some like fucking bearskin fatigues and they look like <laughs> real life like 1800s mountain man like yeah, yeah they're like tailored to their bodies right they Stone. look amazing Carl's got a nice yeah. going. They look the hides so all tanned and ready to go they look so good they got bear claw necklaces dude yeah they're just like we fucking you didn't did make it. one for me charles did you huh he's like yeah <laughs> i actually did you dig? Here you go. And they're actually like uh, Charles and Bob are working together and they're together. And you can tell that Charles especially is like he might even be having sort of a good time right now because he's mentioned, you know, like he doesn't have friends like Charles uh, or Charles says that and Bob accuses him of it later. But as soon as Bob sees that they have a way out, then it's on like it's Bob is ready to fucking kill Charles and Charles like feels it coming because they find he this knows. old hunting cabin um, on, a, a on, a little, on a little stream. Too, yeah. And a canoe. Them. And they're like, Oh, well this is the way out. So we're going to get out of here. And Bob's like, well, wouldn't it be convenient if you didn't make it out of here? Right. So this is, this is where the movie stops being, it takes a fucking sharp turn, which again, I, I did not remember uh, against, you know, being from uh, man versus nature to man versus man. Uh, and and this is exactly where it happens. Yeah, it, they they find the settlement. Yeah, uh, there's there's a gun in the settlement. There's booze. There's a canoe and there's a map. Uh, so they pretty much got everything they need to get the fuck out of there. Like they're they're fucking set. Uh, but yeah, now uh, it turns out that uh, Charles's suspicions prove absolutely fucking correct. Because he finds a receipt in the knife box that he was getting, and that's you know, right. Sees and and it's Bob's the, watch was on there as well. It's the it's the order that his wife Mickey yeah. put in for both right. both engravings. The one that he got on his watch, but then the other one right on um, the knife. Bob's watch, which said, you know, to Bob for all the nights. All the yeah, nights, yeah, from Mickey what, for all the nights. By the way, what a what a fucking. Like, I don't want to be that guy, but like, man, what a, what a supermodel thing to do, right? What a fucking right. dumb, <laughs> stupid fucking thing to do. Everybody knows you put in two separate orders, so you get two separate receipts. Come on. We've all done <laughs> this. Man. What are we doing here? I mean, come on. Like, supermodels aren't known for their intelligence. Come on. Nobody fight me on this. It's, it's fine. <laughs> and it's like both Charles and Bob know. Like, at this point, they know. And it's like the jig is up. And to the movie's credit, and, and to Bob's character's credit, it's just like, all right, well, you know, uh, you're going to die now, so why don't you follow me out of this cabin? I mean, but the way that scene, I, I want to give like a little more credit to the way that the scene was filmed, because even when they're first approaching the cabin, 
Charles like already like kind of knows like, oh shit, if now, if now it seems like we could actually get out, this would be the time when Bob would find me now disposable. So like, even as he's walking in, he notices, for example, oh shit, there's like some, there's a deadfall trap right here. Right. Right. Which becomes significant like 10 minutes later. And as you said, as Bob is, you know, even just the acting there where he, they weren't actually saying much, but just their actions, the way he was taking swigs of the whiskey and like loading the rifle right. and sort of like, you know, just, <coughs> uh, just a real sparse, you know, kind of dialogue between the two of them. Um, I, I actually really liked the way that film was, uh, excuse me, the scene was filmed right. because there was a lot of acting where they could both sort of acknowledge that it was coming to this inevitable sort of confrontation, like right there was on, but they weren't being explicit about it until Charles says, like he says something to the effect of what you can't do it sober. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I, I wrote down so many quotes from this movie because there's so many, there's so much good dialogue, yeah, so is. much good dialogue yeah. in this movie. And, and that's exactly where, where, this is one of the things I wrote down. Uh, but Bob is still, he can't, can't bring himself to, can't really bring himself to do it. And he doesn't want to look at him either. So he keeps telling him to turn him around. And Charles is, so they go know, outside, not turn around. They're outside, yeah, they're outside the cabin. And, uh, Charles keeps advancing on Bob and Bob's like, oh, just stop. And like very like, subtly, but like yeah, not much. Very little yeah. bit. They're real close together. Right. Like and he keeps telling him to turn away. around, but he won't turn around and he steps closer and he steps closer a little bit. And then finally steps back and Bob falls into the deadfall with they which he saw on the way in. Gets real fucked up. <laughs> real fucked up. He goes, I can't see. I feel very good at all, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> not not feeling hundred percent, Charles. Oh god, Charles. Oh god, Charles. Oh god. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the <laughs> sharpened uh, spikes goes through his his upper leg, and right above the it's knee. It's like a femoral yeah. artery type wound, yeah, like you yeah. figure. Just, just done. I mean, he's I mean, he's lucky he didn't actually nick the femoral artery. He would have bled out right there because he right. does. Pers- but you know, to Charles's credit, he jumps down in the pit, takes the rifle off his chest, and he turns it towards him for a minute. Right. But we all knew he wasn't going to shoot him. No. Right. Um, and then he goes to try to save him. Right. Was Gets him out on the canoe. But it's like By there's himself somehow. It's really interesting because, um, you know, part of what Charles is as a person is he also wants to use this knowledge that he has and he, he wants to do the right thing. But, you know, even after Bob is tries to kill him or is going to kill him, Charles still sees him as a friend, as like his only friend. Right. It's yeah. yeah it's it's kind of a fucked up relationship, <laughs> obviously. Like, because uh, yeah, I think he does sort of see him as a friend, but he also and and Bob says this kind of like right before he eventually succumbs to his wounds, and we'll talk about it in a minute. He says, "What well, like you just see me as like a hobby, right? Like a Your challenge, pet project, like a pet yeah, project projects, to keep yeah. me alive, kind of a thing." So, um. But, but I don't think that's true either. I think yeah, he honestly I mean, sees him as a friend, and yeah, which he agreed. does not have. Well, and the thing, the, there's another line though. Maybe you wrote this down too, Luke. After they kill the bear, which you think is like, oh, like that's like obviously a high point in the movie. He says, like, I always wanted to do something unequivocal. He says right. that to Bob. Right. And then, and so like, but what I think, like, yeah, killing a bear in that situation is incredibly impressive. But what's actually, in a way, more impressive is that he still maintains his compassion for a person who tried right. to kill him. Yes. And was sleeping with his wife. And yet, in a way, that is a much like bigger challenge that he meets, you know, and, and kind of like and lives life in like 
not just in a theoretical sense and in intellectual sense. And like looking back at the movie, like the fact that he maintained his compassion and humanity is actually like probably more meaningful to him than like even killing the bear. Right. And, and it, at least you that's get, what I took from it. it yeah. Absolutely. And it, you get the feeling that really Bob with, uh, you know, and maybe this is just Charles's bad fucking luck, but like Bob is probably his best friend, man. Yeah, like right. it sucks. It fucking, he's the guy that was been fucking his wife for God knows how long and has literally tried to kill him, but he's still after what they've been through. Like they have this, like this bond. Trauma bonds. Yeah. Trauma yeah. bonds yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, they're bonded for life. And they're like, you know, they're like brothers, man. And it, yeah. fucking, it all culminates right here. And it's a goddamn bummer. Yeah. And because Bob doesn't make it as the helicopter but, that they but see. To Bob's credit before he dies, what does he say to Charles? Oh, dude, he goes, don't die on oh. me, Bob. And then Bob, go- yeah. and then Robert, Bob goes, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah, don't tell me <laughs> what to do. But he well, also, he also tells say- him that his wife was never he in He also on does, this. he does apologize, and it seems yeah. sincere. And he yeah, also yeah. does say that, hey, like, Mickey wasn't in on trying yeah. to, like, do you in. So, I mean, at the end, Bob does seem to have a little bit of redeeming qualities. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think it was when sincere when he said he's sorry. I think so too. Yeah, I thought that was sincere. Yeah, yeah, but he does die as the helicopter pulls up, right? And then super tragic. Yeah, then they go back to the cabin. You know, there's all this press here because he's a press, billionaire. Because he's an important right? person. He yeah. sees uh, he sees Styles, and he goes back to the why is why is the rabbit unafraid? Because he knows he's smarter than the panther. So that sort of ends their storyline. And then um, Charles, uh, fucking ice cold move when he gets back to Mickey, his wife. Hell yeah. And like he, she goes to hug him and you can see that she's like, you know, she's conflicted on her face because she's happy that he's back, but also sad that, you know, her Bob didn't make it. And, uh, Charles doesn't say a word. He just hands her the watch. Bob's inscription. Bob's watch with the inscription. And she's like, Oh fuck. Yep. And, And then the, and then like, you know, the press asks him like, you know, like what happened to your friends? And then the last line in the movie. Oh, they died trying to save my life. And he's got and he's got tears in his eyes. He's he's crying. Like he's you know, he's breaking down. It's, and so uh, in what sense bad. I mean that's kind of wasn't true. Like he was the leader no. you know, the, but right. in what sense did they save his life from that experience? Like how did you all take that? Because he does he says uh he says to Bob before he dies too, he's like he says, I'm gonna change Right, my life change my life yeah and he says like maybe i won't go back and so i think that's what he's yeah that i think that's what he's hinting at is that they saved his life in the metaphorical way is that now that he's alive he's been given the second chance he's going to do something different so he's not this isolated person that he has been before that's what i took it to mean yeah yeah then now his life is more meaningful because he's actually had to meet real challenges um rather than just in the books yeah, yeah. just in sort of in theory or right. intellectually so right that's kind of how i took it too i mean i gotta say like I, I just um honestly anthony hopkins eyes were like really expressive in this film they were he's like a good actor he's he's a, he's a he's a damn fine actor and like there were some like real close-up shots on his eyes where he did a he communicated i think a lot of meaning um, without saying words in in a lot, and he did say a lot of words. Don't get me wrong; like right. you know, the script has a lot of really good dialogue. But I actually thought, what did you guys think of the casting in this film? At least of the two principals. Yeah, I mean, I I liked it. I mean, I think, you know, it 
it really hits you pretty hard just watching it uh, and seeing the complete breakdown between these two, you know, quote unquote friends, you know, slash enemies in a way. And it really, uh, it really brings out a lot of emotion. And at least that's what I got from when I first saw it. And again, watching it again. Uh, same. I, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, ended up being like a, a really complex relationship, you know, between these two guys that, you know, you know, maybe, you know, Charles didn't know what was going on exactly, but Bob certainly did. And the fact that these guys uh, ended up, you know, working together, ended up becoming like, you know, really close friends by the end of it, the whole thing. It was it's a really good complex relationship. You know, it just, um, I don't know. You, you don't see stuff like this very often in these creature features. So give me your final thoughts on The Edge. I would highly recommend watching this movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, you know, go ahead and check it out. I think it, if you if you really like adventure, suspense, thriller type movies with a smattering of horror here and there, I think this is something for you. Like we discussed, the dialogue was amazing. Um, and then just like the dynamic between the two characters uh, and what they face throughout the movie is... I mean, it's dynamite, in my opinion. So definitely go watch it. Yeah, I'd say one other thing that we haven't really mentioned that much is um, the scenery, obviously, is is quite amazing. Like, I mean, it's just beautiful um, northern Rockies, mountains, lakes, uh, forests, streams. Um, so, I mean, the movie does look really beautiful, too. They film on location a little bit further south than Alaska, but um, obviously really good stand-in for actual Alaska landscapes. Um, so it, it has, you know, sort of a beautiful, a beautiful aesthetic to it. But as Nick said, too, you get really interesting, very realistic dialogue that David Mammoth, you know, kind of famous for. Um, and you get, I think, two really good actors, honestly, um, playing their roles pretty well as the, as the principals. So I think it's definitely worth watching. Um, I also like, it's, it's, for me, it's kind of cool because in terms of like history of film, um, you know, back then they didn't have the op- the opportunity to do a lot of CGI like movies do now, but I actually really appreciate uh, what they were working with then in the sense of, I think we were talking about, they probably use miniatures um, at, at some point. Um, and to, to use again, a real trained Kodiak grizzly bear so prominently in the movie is just really special. Like there's not a lot of movies now, film now, about partially about a, a wild bear that would use a real bear right, right. so like right. Know, most of that would be cgi so it was just really cool to watch that in in kind of hindsight with like how a lot of movies are made today it's it's a great one uh, this is this is a great one this is one of the i would say you know horror movie or not one of the best movies of the of the 90s uh i i think it's it's you know really well done um, you know, it's a man versus nature, man versus man uh, type movie with some, you know, like Paul said, just amazing um, cinematography by uh, by Donald uh, McElpine, uh, who's been a, done a lot of work uh, over his, you know, long career. It's just, it's awesome. It's just really, really cool. I, I don't know if you would maybe like, you know, uh, say this is a horror movie per se, but it's, 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 you know, it's right there. It's adjacent. And uh, just awesome acting uh, by both uh, human and non-humans alike, and um, it's just great. It's it's really awesome. 
I, I think anybody would enjoy this. It, it's a two-hour movie that feels a lot shorter. Um, ch- check it out. Just check it out. Uh, if anything, look at the trailer. I, I bet you like it. Yeah, I'm really uh, glad I watched it one again tonight. I really remember like liking it when I first saw it, and it's been... I don't know, maybe even close to 20 years since I saw it the last time and I, and I still enjoy it. And it's funny because I enjoy it for different reasons now than I did when I was younger. Um, I feel like people don't talk about this movie very often. Like, like they forget it exists and um, hopefully people find it again. Cause I think it's a, I think it's a really good one. Can I check it please? A photographer with an eye for beauty. Okay, great. Let's do one more. Nice looking lady. Your wife? Yes. Why'd you ask? A man of wealth who lives through books. Charles knows everything. Got a question to ask him. I seem to retain all these facts, but putting them to any useful purpose is another matter. Each the essence of the civilized man. Well, Charles, we're going on an impromptu adventure. You come too. Oh, all that money, never knowing what people value you for. And I think your wife's pretty cute too. So, how are you planning to kill me? so we watched a movie about a couple of dudes trapped in the wilderness tonight and so tonight we're going to do a wilderness survival quiz time So this, uh, before we get going, this uh, quiz is brought to you uh, by a website called wilderness-survival.net. And uh, when you go on that website, uh, you're greeted by a uh, mascot called Sergeant Safari, uh, who is going to, uh, you know, give you a 21-question quiz. Uh, So I took the 21-question quiz. And uh, I did not do well. I, I, I pick and <laughs> pick and chose what I wanted to do for this quiz. Uh, I ended up. I think it was like thirteen or fourteen questions, and we're gonna go through them pretty quickly. So it's not like you know, it's not gonna take a super long time. But uh, but yeah, I did really shitty. I got forty five percent. You're gonna die, Luke. Yeah, I'm gonna die. Uh, and I, I will preface the preface this with uh, uh, you know, Sergeant Safari's questions also entail like, what would you do if your plane crashed in the ocean? Or what if you, you know, were trapped in the desert, which I don't fucking know. Like, I don't, <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Uh, and I would not do well. Apparently, I got a 45%. And this is what Sergeant Wilderness said. He says, uh, you failed miserably with a score of 45%. Uh, my grandmother could have done better than you. Uh, <laughs> judging from your quiz, you don't know what guppy from a shark. Uh, you'd best stay out of the water or risk ending up fish food. So that's don't how do I did yeah. So you're more you're more Stephen than Charles. Right. Yeah. So I am definitely more Stephen. Yeah. Right, so Luke, Luke's a Stephen. We'll yep. see where we are. And that was that was all 21 questions, which again I I kind of pick and chose uh you know the ones that were more relevant to uh, to our situation yeah. here. So here we go. So these are all multiple choice. Um, you guys can just bust in with your names, or or, or whatever. Uh, and um, all right. Uh, here we go. You guys ready? Yep. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, uh, question number one. 
what should you do to lower stress and keep a clear head in a survival situation? Is it A, realize where you are and don't build up hope that you'll be rescued? B, learn to see the positive in everything, concentrate on the good? Uh, C, talk to a volleyball? Or D, uh, keep a timeline so you can always know how long you've been away? Talk to a volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> Next to Steven. <laughs> I was going to say B. I'm, uh, I'll go with A. Okay. All right. So, Nick, you said, you, said, you said yeah, B? Guess. I, said, yeah, I was going to say, let's I go, was let's say all A guess as well. I'm gonna go with I was going to go with B. I thought A first, but I'm, I'm going to go with B just because. Okay. I'm giving it to Nick. Nick's getting it. Yeah. It's uh, learn oh, to see the positive. Just concentrate on the good. Just, just keep on moving, man. Fucking keep, right, keep right. swimming. All right. Pushing two. Uh, what kind of survival kit should you construct? Is it A, one large enough to carry all of your items, make it a backpack? B, use light materials to keep the weight down, just be careful not to break it. C, I don't know, I'm always packing my lunch. Or D, make sure it's waterproof. Make sure it's waterproof. Marcus has it, man. Here we go. Right hey. on. All right, question three. How much water must the body lose before we die? Is it uh, A, at least 10%, B, at least 15%, C, at least 20%, or D, at least 25%? Is it, uh, is it 20%? Anybody? Oh, I guess I'll go with 20% as well. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go with 15%. And Paul is on the board with 15%. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, when selecting a site to build your shelter, what should you not consider? Is it A, it must contain material to make the type of shelter you need? B, it must be large enough and level enough for you to lie down comfortably? C, it must be on a hill so you can signal rescuers and keep an eye on your surroundings? Or D, it must be free of insects, reptiles, and poisonous plants? Uh, B is not important. Okay. Anybody else? I would go with B as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. All Bs? Yeah, you'll get nothing. Uh, It it must be on a hill so you can signal rescuers and keep an eye on your surroundings. Not that important considering the other three things, apparently. Uh, Uh, This is all, you know, according to Sergeant Safari. Uh, So, again, it's... uh, I did forget about the hill. (laughs) So, anyway, next one. Uh, Insects are an excellent source of protein, but you should not eat all of them. Which insects should you avoid? Uh, A, adults that sting or bite. B, hairy or brightly colored ones. C, caterpillars and insects that have a pungent odor. Or D, all of the above. All of the above. I'd say... uh, I was going to say caterpillars. I'd say B, hairy and brightly colored ones. All of the above. So Marcus has all the above. Uh, Who else has what now? I had hairy and brightly colored. And then I said caterpillars. Okay, so Marcus has it, all of the above. Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, what should you remember to help you avoid poisonous plants? Is it A, watch the animals and eat what they eat? B, boil the plant in water and any poisons will be removed? C, plants with red color are poisonous? Or D, avoid all mushrooms? Hmm. I don't like any of those. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to say avoid all mushrooms because I guess if you're not a mushroom guy, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, 
I mean, that's probably safe if you don't know exactly. mushrooms, but that's assuming you don't know. Right. right. Mushrooms. Everyone right. says mushrooms? Yeah, I guess we'll yeah. go with mushrooms. Go you all got it right. You all fucking got it right. Where do you go? It's just not worth the chance. <laughs> don't eat mushrooms if you don't fucking know what you're doing. Okay, I'm next one. <laughs> what should you do to avoid dangerous animals like snakes? Uh, A, walk carefully and watch where you step. Uh, B, use sticks to turn logs and rocks. C, carefully check bedding, shelter, and clothing. Or D, all of the above. I'm going to go with all of the above again. Yeah, yeah all the same. Above. All the above. And you guys got it all right. All right. We're almost there. We're almost there. Uh, in cold weather survival situations, uh, which should you do? A, avoid overheating. B, wear loose clothing. C, keep clothing dry. Or D, all of the above. <laughs> Another all of the above. Yeah, I definitely want to keep uh yeah i'd say all the above all the above all the above you guys got it if you must cross a river you should a find a spot downstream from a sandbar as the water will be calmer b find a rocky area as the water will be shallow and you will have hand and footholds c find a level stretch where it breaks into a few channels or b build a bridge let's say c hmm. I'll go with A. Nick? I'll say B just for the hell of it. Marcus fucking got it, man. Find a level stretch where it breaks into a few channels so it's easier to navigate. Boom. Boom. Uh, let's see how many we got here. We got like three more. Okay. To locate the North Star, because they were doing that shit in this movie, uh, you should A, uh, look for the Big Dipper and follow the line created by its cup end. B, find Sirius and look 45 degrees above it and to the right. C, follow the line of Orion's belt, or D, hold your right hand as far as you can and look between your index and middle fingers. I, I can find it with uh, Cassiopeia, personally. That's not yeah. an option. <laughs> and that's actually what they referenced in the film. They did reference yeah, they did. It, yeah, yeah um, they did. So I, you can... I've heard people do it with the hand with between the index I'll, I'll and the say thumb. Orion's, Orion's belt. belt. Orion's you can definitely say Orion in good. the winter. It's, yeah, it's yeah. up there right now. Orion's in the belt. Northern Hemisphere. Let's go with Orion's, Orion's belt. Orion's belt. Uh, it yeah. apparently, according to Sergeant Safari, mm-hmm. you're all wrong, man. It's look for the Big Dipper and follow the line created by its cup hand. Well, That's... Sergeant Safari can go fucking. <laughs> That's bullshit, man. <laughs> Fuck that guy. All right, <laughs> all right. Here we go. Uh, when signaling with fire, how do you form the international distress signal? Is it a four fires in a diamond? B four fires in a square? C three fires in a triangle? Or D three fires in a line? I'm going to say E, take all your clothes off in a helicopter. There you go. Like with your dick? Like fucking swinging around? <laughs> yeah. Flopping it in the wind? People will isn't definitely one, know what it's that. one fire enough? Why do we got to have like multiple fires in circle orientations? I feel like one smoky fire is enough. Throw some, throw some pine on it. Be good. Uh, C, I guess. <laughs> Nick has C. C. I, wasn't was, C. I wasn't listening to the answers. C, yeah. I was thinking about helicopters. Oh, C was three of them, right? The triangle? Yeah. Paul has C2, triangle? Yeah. C. Yeah. We're Marcus, triangle. you want me to read them again? No, Flop. I'm sticking with E. Floppy dicks. E is – okay, all right. So that's not right. So Nick and Paul both got it. It's it's three fires yeah. and a triangle. Which, dude, they that brings you guys within one of Marcus. Marcus is currently winning. He has six. You guys have five each. All right. Hey, I'll take it. And uh, there's two two questions left. You guys ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. How do you identify black widow spiders? Is it A, they are small black spiders with a tuft of hair on their abdomen? 
B, they are black spiders with very long legs compared to their small body. C, they are dark spiders with red or orange markings on the female's abdomen. Or D, they will run away from light. C. 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 Is everyone saying C? Yeah. yeah. Correct. You are all correct. Uh, all right. Last damn right. Damn right. La- last question. So really the best thing you guys, Nick and Paul, can do is, is to tie Marcus here. Or Marcus can fucking take it. If he if he gets this right, it's all Marcus. Let's Last do question. Let's do the wrong answer. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> if you see a snake that you think is a coral snake, how do you identify it? Is it A, check if it's afraid of you? B, remember yellow touches black, it will attack. C, remember red touches yellow, you're a dead fellow. Or D, call Steve Irwin. <laughs> uh, red touches yellow. Red touches yeah, yellow? I want to go with that too. Nick also uh, does that one. Paul? Uh, C, yeah. Yeah, you guys got it. You guys all got it right, which means Marcus. Did you I just the win fucking, a fucking quiz? You did it. Did I just win one? You, you fucking won. 62%. You, you did it. You won. You got uh, you have uh, eight, and uh, Nick and Paul both have seven. You just fucking squeaked hey, one out, man. You so did I'm, it. So I'm, so I'm a Bob? You're, you're a Bob. You did it. You fucking did it, man. And you bloom. <laughs> you live long enough to die at the end. Yeah, well done. Well done, sir. Nice. Well, Nick and Paul, thanks for being for us. Thanks, Absolutely. guys. Thanks for being here with us to open up our Animal Attack series. Yes. Yeah. Happy to be here. That was it's fun. Definitely a good film. Definitely a good film. Great film. Definitely recommend uh, anybody to check it out. It's worth it. Go watch for, it, man. For sure. The Review to Death podcast is written and produced by The Wolf of Us. We release new episodes on Mondays. Thank you to Groove Witness for the use of their music. You can find them at GrooveWitness.us. Check out our written reviews at the link in the description and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Review to Death. Thank you for listening. And Luke, tell us what's coming up next. Well, coming up next, we're going to watch the 1981 creature feature called Venom. Uh, it stars uh, Klaus Kinski and Oliver Reed, a couple of mad men, a couple of mad lads. Uh, we cannot wait to fucking check this obscure ass horror movie out. Um, that's pretty much all I got. Later, Gators. You turned your porn off? <laughs> no, I because I can switch. You the didn't turn your porn off. You should turn okay. your porn no. off. <laughs> I turn still had. We all know what edging is, right? I mean, we. Okay. <laughs> Starting Probably was like the Edge Masters. <laughs> Edge Lord. Bart the Bear's huge dick. What? <laughs> How the bear edges. <laughs> it's also like a gardening thing. Cutting the edging, edge. Edging, edging the lawn. Dude, I edge yeah. edge lawn all day. <laughs> yeah, like when you like edge like your hedges. Yeah. I got well, a yeah. Well, tr- trimming the hedges is also another. <laughs> That's another one. Something else. Trimming the- it's gardening. We're talking about gardening. <laughs> <laughs> well we weren't talking about gardening a second ago but now we are we were always talking about gardening <laughs> yeah. we are never talking about gardening <laughs> yeah